This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. While Justin Trudeau's popularity has been waning and things have been looking up for the Conservatives for quite some time, Pierre Poilievre and the Tories still have to convince Canadians they're a government in waiting. One of the ways they've tried to do this has been with a series of videos putting Poilievre front and centre, some focusing on the leader, some focusing on issues that are resonating with Canadians. But as political communication goes, how effective are they? I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. National Post Parliamentary Bureau Chief Stuart Thompson joins me to discuss why the Tories are trying this approach, what are the benefits of it, and what pitfalls the party should watch out for. This is normally where I say we're on a whole bunch of other platforms right now. I just want to say thanks very much to everyone who's listened in the past year. Definitely check us out on your favorite podcasting platform, and I'd love it if you could tell your friends about the show. So, Stuart, as someone who's covered federal politics for quite a while, how would you describe how Pierre Poiliev has changed since he became leader of the Conservative Party? Well, um, for Poiliev, I think uh, a few things have changed, but the most interesting thing to me is about Pierre Poilievre is what hasn't changed. He's obviously got a bigger audience now. Um, he's talking to the whole country, whereas he used to just be a local MP. And he's kind of expanded the party a little bit too. So he is talking to, I think, some different people than Aaron O'Toole was or Andrew Shear was. He's also had something of an image makeover since becoming leader of the party. Um, but those are small things. I think for Pierre Polyev, he has always been kind of a Milton Friedman, libertarian-style conservative. And, you know, that means he's been focused on inflation. Um, Even before the rest of us were talking about it, he's been focused on fiscal issues um, since even uh, back in the days of the Harper government. Um, So I think what has happened here is more that the moment has met the man rather than vice versa, because all of these issues that are happening right now are that are becoming salient in Canada, I think are right down his alley. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of come to the fore a lot in the, in the last few weeks with this series of, of videos that, that he's unleashed on, on Canadians, uh, you know, on the housing crisis, on debt and in inflation. What have you made of, of those videos as it, is it a kind of a new strategy on, on his part, or is it just a continuation or an amplification of something he'd already been doing? Yeah, the continuation is that he's always been really interested in video and he's always been willing to try things and innovate and do different things than maybe his competitors were doing. And I think, you know, a 15 minute documentary on the housing issues in Canada is probably not an easy sell in the back rooms of a political party. And even just the idea that you could do that because they did this in house, it wasn't that they outsourced it to somebody else who makes films, um, that's kind of a hard sell. And it takes some guts to do that. And um, we did a couple of things like that at Image Journal, Dave, when you and I were there. And I did one of them as a producer. It is a lot of work. And it's one of the hardest things to do is get all these moving parts together and make it into a compelling story. So um, it is interesting that they've tried this. And I think, you know, the the sort of common wisdom of political strategists, and I think most of us in the media, 
is that people have short attention spans. And if you're trying to get a political point across, you want to have a 20 second or even a 10 second quip that you can get through to people and then just repeat that quip as often as you can. And that's kind of the conventional wisdom. But I, you know, some of us listen to three hour podcasts now and, you know, the hour long drama is all the rage on TV. And I think he's kind of spotted that maybe there's longer attention spans if you can do it on the right issue and do it with the right production. Because, uh, you know, whatever you think of this documentary, it obviously is a partisan product that tells the story a certain way that's favorable to Pierre Polyev and unfavorable to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. But the viewership numbers, I think, speak for themselves. They've definitely tapped into something here. Now, when you look at some of these these videos that, that Polyev has produced, especially that kind of longer form 15 minute documentary on on the housing issue what's key for you when you're watching it is it the tone is it the presentation and and kind of how he's trying to deliver this message to Canadians or is it the content as a whole and the issue that he's talking about yeah I, I think he's actually pretty good at that because I wrote sort of a bigger piece about all of these different types of videos and the sort of different conversation that's happening in our politics because of them. And there are different types. The, the, the video that I thought kind of started all this for Polyev was during the leadership campaign, he went to Pearson Airport when we were kind of at the height of the post-pandemic uh, travel woes and people were getting stuck in Pearson for like days at a time sometimes. And Polyev's video was titled, uh, something like Pearson Airport sucks. And, you know, that is what everybody was feeling at the time. It's just generally not how politicians talk, though. And he just walked through the airport speaking to his phone. And uh, that was a totally different kind of presentation than the sort of 15 minute documentary that's very produced. And Polyev does do the narration, but he does it almost in the style of you know, an actual documentary narrator. It's kind of bloodless and the tone is very kind of, um, there's not a lot of emotion in it. Uh, it's not personable. Uh, so these, I, I think he sort of has a sense of how to do these things. And, you know, the key I think is he's just been doing it a long time. He's been doing these videos since he started in politics and he has a lot of reps doing them. Now, looking at how this sets him up against the prime minister, Justin Trudeau has been seen for years as kind of media savvy or at least media friendly. He's got a, you know, nice public image. He's, he's camera friendly as it, as it were. How did these videos or this approach to communications help set Poiliev apart or stand out from, from the prime minister? Yeah. I was kind of thinking back to the early days of Justin Trudeau and it is kind of striking actually that he was mostly relying on the mainstream media for that kind of press. And it wasn't even the Canadian media. He was getting global press from like glossy magazines and things like that. And uh, that is something that you actually can't control. You can control it to some extent, but you can't force, you know, a, a big American publication to put you on the cover. It's really hard. The thing that Polyev is doing is much easier for him to control because he just makes the videos and he uploads them. The liberals... The way that they were um, really tech savvy in the early days was they took a lot of lessons from Barack Obama's campaign around how do you get out the vote? How do you make your vote really efficient? How do you make the writings that matter to you be the ones where people want to vote for you? And that effort 
they're still very good at it, the liberals. But that is the kind of tech savvy that they were is, you know, how do you use Facebook and Twitter and all these programs to target the exact people we want to target? This is kind of a broader strategy where you're blasting your message out in a new way and you're exercising a lot of control over it. And you don't have to worry about what the media is going to do because you're going around the media. Have we seen this rub off on other conservative MPs or are they kind of catching on to the leader's approach and saying, we're going to give this a go? Yeah, it's actually, it's rubbing off in two ways. One in that the opposition leader's office will tell them to do it because they really like this kind of content. And I think the idea is if you can have 60 MPs blasting out the same message, you know, it's bound to get picked up somewhere. You know, an example of that was when they did overnight voting in Parliament Hill before Christmas. And then Pierre Polyev made kind of a, you know, hero's return to the Hill with food and McDonald's and KFC. <laughs> uh, the MPs were told to take videos of that. And that is, I think, um, broader strategy that we'll probably see more of. And the other version of it is that, you know, if the leader does something and is working for him as an MP, you may see, you may say, okay, maybe that'll work for me. Or you'll say, well, if the leader loves this and I do it, maybe that makes me a, a possible pick for cabinet down the road. If I build this audience and I'm seeing you know, pushing out the same messages. So we've seen, you know, I think probably the most, um, probably the best version of this uh, or the most successful version of this was MP Michael Barrett after a committee hearing that got shut down by the liberals. You know, normally MPs, if they have a, a bone to pick, they'll run to journalists and try to get the story out there or on the six o'clock news. He picked up his phone and started live streaming about, you know, this miscarriage of justice in this committee. And got a lot of viewers from doing it. So I, I think they're um I think they see something here that could work for them and it's worked it's worked well for some, but um it is something that Polyev I think is uniquely good at and it does take a certain skill set to be good at it. We'll be right back. On the flip side, though, it it does come with some risks. And I, I know it's on social media, and I know social media being what it is, there's always a lot of partisan criticism going on. But this week, I've seen a lot of mockery of Poiliev, and there was a video out showing him talking about electricians and harnessing lightning from the sky and putting it in our homes. Do Does criticism like this stick and, and show a potential downside to the strategy? Has this backfired for Polyev elsewhere or even for others in his party? Yeah, I don't think that Polyev has had any real howlers. And this, I think, is mostly a matter of resources because the leader has staffers. They have people who, you know, they brainstorm an idea, the idea gets approved, they make the video, they have people looking at that. They have copy editors. There's a lot of layers that it has to go through. And I know that Polyev also is, you know, his hands are in all of this. Nothing goes out without him seeing it. The MPs, though, don't have those same layers. They have a couple of staffers and they have, you know, a phone. They've got an iPhone to, to film on. And probably the most famous um, or infamous um, screw up on this front was the MP Michelle Ferreri did a video on Parliament Hill. It was about um, tampons being in male bathrooms in federally re regulated buildings. And she was kind of saying, you know, maybe they should be focused on 
more important things like the fiscal issues we have. Um, that video was also roundly mocked on social media and got taken down less than a day later. And I think that is the concern is I don't think a video like that gets out uh, if it's Pierre Polyev's office, because I think they're just a little more savvy and maybe a little more risk averse on that stuff. But it, it's just you just need people who are going to take a second set of eyes um, and when you're filming on an iPhone and you're uploading directly to YouTube or directly to Twitter, it's sometimes too fast. You don't have that time to make sure you haven't done something that's going to get you in trouble. Now, you mentioned that the liberals kind of have not been as as savvy on this trend as, as perhaps the conservatives have. Have we seen other parties at the federal level, the NDPs, the Greens, the Bloc, kind of jump on this trend and, and try to emulate what the conservatives have been doing? I, I think actually the early adopter on all of this was Jagmeet Singh. And it was unfortunate for him that he got really popular on TikTok and uh, he had nearly a million followers on there. It was kind of, it became an issue during the last election because he was getting a lot of, you know, views. He was making a splash on TikTok. And some people were saying, that's great. We're getting our message out to young people who wouldn't otherwise see it. And other people, even people in the NDP party were saying, you know, maybe there's a better use of our time. Maybe these views aren't going to actually translate into votes. And it became sort of a point of contention for the party. Um, the trouble for Singh also was that nobody wants to be on TikTok anymore because um, it's a state-owned, Chinese state-owned service. Um, and there are security risks that the Canadian government is worried about. So um, that is an interesting little microcosm. I think it exhibits like both the pros and the cons of what can happen here, where you know, maybe you get too into the metrics. Every reporter in the world, every columnist in the world who's looked at the stats, the readership of their stories, you know there's a rabbit hole you can fall down just watching those numbers and hoping they go up and trying everything you can to make them go up. That can be a good incentive and it can be a bad incentive. Um, so I think that's the thing that these parties have to worry about. Looking at it more broadly, you know, there. What do people who are kind of experts in campaigning or 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 in government communications? What are they saying about this strategy and whether it's a, a winner for the conservatives? Yeah, I think the one really interesting idea that someone posited to me about this was, um, you know, the the housing documentary is really interesting because it gives you the time to illustrate the problem as you see it. And then to sort of go through why the government in your eyes has failed, and then to say, here's our plan, here's our solution to this problem. And if you elect us, here's what we're going to do. And um, Cole Hogan, who I interviewed for the piece, he's at uh, Earnscliff here, but he's worked on a bunch of conservative campaigns as a digital guy. He was saying, you know, if he were there, he would make some kind of online video platform where instead of just putting a PDF up online, that no normal Canadian is ever going to read, you can put these things up, uh, a mini documentary, explain the problem, get your plans out to people. And I think it might actually allow some politicians to be a little bolder, because if you kind of assume that most people are too busy to really understand these issues, and you're not going to do a lot of persuasion on the issue itself, you kind of just have to have these planks in your platform that are immediately attractive to Canadians. Um, I think that makes you more risk averse. But if you can explain the problem and sort of walk people through it and get a million people to watch that video, you might be able to offer solutions that you wouldn't 
do otherwise because you were worried people wouldn't understand it or it would seem too complex or you know it, they wouldn't truly understand how you could solve that problem at the federal government level so i think that's a really interesting side of this that you know maybe we'll actually get a better version of our politics from these kinds of videos maybe i'm being a little too optimistic about <laughs> that but um the other side of it i think is if you look at um you know say the early days of the harper campaigns. Before he got into government, he lost to Paul Martin. Paul Martin gets a minority government. There, If you read the books about that era, there were a bunch of bozo eruptions that happened from local candidates that a lot of conservatives will tell you pay, played a big role in the failures that they had. Um, if you think about that era where to make a bozo eruption in some place in rural Ontario, you had to talk to the local news reporter, somebody in national news had to see that and then elevate it to a national story. Um, that is kind of a low tech way of making a bozo eruption happen. Now you'll have 338 candidates across the country, all who have access to their phones and YouTube and Twitter feeds. It just seems like the propensity for screw ups is much higher. And if I were a strategist, that would be the one thing I'd be afraid of during a campaign is at any moment, somebody could drop some video that ruins your day or ruins your week on the trail. Yeah. Looking at the, the, the Qualia videos themselves, the kind of even the longer form, I, I understand that kind of what he's put out so far is, is part of a, a bigger series that he's, that he's planning. So this is not something that's going to be going away anytime soon. This is his kind of a, a new arrow in his quiver that he'll be using to communicate with Canadians going forward. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it, it is, it's not totally low risk because I think the housing video was obviously very popular and got lots of views. Um, the second video didn't quite make the same splash. I think understandably so because the last one had a lot of novelty value. But, you know, five videos on fiscal issues, I <laughs> that that is an optimistic view of the audience out there. And the trouble for the conservatives now is they'll be putting these videos up on Twitter and on YouTube, and the views will be apparent to everybody who wants to go look. So if any of these videos flops, it's public. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, so that's not entirely low risk. And it will show you publicly that you're not connecting with voters. People in your party will see it. So uh, Polyev is kind of riding high right now. But like stuff like that, once people have something to cling to, to show that maybe you're not connecting on this issue or that issue, um, it could be an issue. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see how these roll out for the conservatives and how it plays out with voters in the weeks and months ahead. Stuart, thanks for your time. Great to be here. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. The theme music you hear is by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Stuart Thompson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.